Celebration Church. So I'm excited. Well, if you brought your Bible, bust it open because we're going to look at the Word of God this morning. And we have, we're in our sixth and final week of Best Supporting Actors. And this is our sermon series where we've been looking at some of the people in the Bible that you might not have heard about. We know about Jesus. We probably know in the Old Testament about Moses and Abraham. And we know about Peter and Paul. But there's a lot of people that God's locked up pieces of their story and saved it up for us so that we can learn how to, how to be more like Christ and how to draw closer to God. And so as we are been looking at this we've we've been going through it you can podcast the rest of them on from off of our website stick them on your ipod if you've missed some of them and uh, but i've i personally have really enjoyed this series just the study and looking at these men and women's life and today we're going to be looking at a guy named andrew now andrew was one of the disciples and a lot of folks don't it doesn't pop out you say andrew and people don't think of him as a disciple even in the list of the disciples he has like this add-on to his name. He's Andrew, the brother, brother of Peter. He's like constantly referred to as Peter's brother. And it's constantly connected to him. But we're going to look at the life of Andrew today. And a lot of the theologians and Bible scholars refer to him as the friendly disciple. And when we look at his life, we can see the impact that one person who's willing to notice and care about others can have a massive, massive impact. Because, and see, notice, noticing and caring are tied together, or they should be. A lot of times we can't care about what we don't notice first. And now I, uh, some of y'all have been around a little while, y'all know that I, my favorite car is the old classic Mustangs. And uh, I love all of the old classic Mustangs, my first car was a 67 Mustang. And uh, anyways, we are, um, when Cutie and I first met, then she found out that that was one of my, my passions. And I did not have a Mustang at that time. I was between Mustangs. And I only had two. That's the only time in my life I've been between them, other than now. And I'm believing I'm between Mustangs. So <laughs> another one's coming at some point in my life. Maybe 60 years old and putting around in it, but it's going to happen. And uh, anyway, so my wife was, uh, she, I was pursuing her, and she was, bless God, pursuing me back. And it's always a good thing. You like somebody when they like you back. And so we were in our, in our courtship stage, and she was living in Odessa, and I was living here. And she found out from my sister that I really liked Mustangs. And she ended up uh, spending some time with my sister in finding out about mustangs and learning to be able to recognize the different year models and all the little quirks and differences well i didn't realize that this was going on and she came into town uh one weekend to to see me came here and we were going to go do something some event at asu and i we were the event was going about to be on and now we were cruising down a residential street in my pickup and we're talking and having this conversation as we're going and i'm talking and she's looking at me, and I'm, you know, glancing over at her, and I pass this vehicle as we're going. Well, now, of course, it's a Mustang, and I noticed it, but I didn't do the whole head turn thing and look at it. I stayed focused on my wife, and we were going, and she just casually says, um, we're talking, and she goes, that was a 66. And I just 
my jaw just dropped. It was. It was a 66 that went right by. I'm telling you, she could not have said, I love you, any louder than when she said, that's a 66. Because I knew that herself, she did not care anything about Mustangs. But secretly, she had been studying Mustangs. She had been driving around with my sister Heather, and who Heather, I had schooled her on Mustangs, and they would find them, and Heather would point out this and this, and you look at this on, the, on this body part, and then this tells you this is a 66, or this is a 67, or these different things, and we pass, and when she noticed and mentioned that, I knew that she cared about me. I'm telling you, it just, it just so incredibly blessed my life. See, whenever this time of the year, we need to be at a place where we are noticing the folks around us. Because we're at Easter time, I'm telling you, it is all about a celebration that God gave His Son to purchase back, is what Revelation says in Revelation chapter 5, to purchase back men for God, and that's humanity. To purchase back people for God. God gave Himself for us. And you know what? So many times it's easy for you and I not to care about the other folks around us. But because we're pursuing God, and because we love Him so much, and we know He cares about them, then we need to take the time to notice. My wife couldn't tell you what a 66 Mustang looks like right now if she had to. But because she was pursuing, because she cared, she noticed and cared about what was important to me. Humanity is the most important thing to God. He loves us so much. He loves that boogerhead that work that drives you up the wall. He loves that loud neighbor that bothers you all the time. He loves your sweet, sweet relatives. He loves the people you love the most and the people you dislike the most. He's crazy about all of them and God is drawing them and we need to take the time to notice and care about others just like Andrew did. And so as we're going to get into this, we're going to look at a few key things with Andrew. First off, Andrew quickly embraced the truth. Let's look at John 1, 35 through 39. And it says, the next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. And when he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. And when the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? And they said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said, Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying and spent the day with him. And it was the tenth hour. Now, Andrew obviously had a heart to be discipled, to be mentored. He had a heart after God, and he was following John, who was the forerunner to Jesus. He was preparing the way to Jesus. And as he's following John... Really what Andrew's looking for is the Messiah. He's looking for the hope of humanity. And as he's following John, John says, there's the lamb, which that doesn't make sense to us, but outside of understanding the Old Testament, which means that's the sacrifice. That's the one who's going to take away the sin of the world. And Andrew knew that. He knew the code words. He knew the lingo. And he's like, that's it. And he went from following John and went to follow Jesus and said, where are you staying? With Andrew is the first recorded person in all of history to choose to follow Jesus. He's the first guy in all of recorded history 
to choose to embrace Jesus as who he was, the lamb that would take away the sin of the world, and to follow him. He was quick to embrace. He was what marketers would call an early adopter. He didn't wait for everybody else to try to figure out if this Jesus really was this Messiah, this Savior, this cool guy. He, he saw it and recognized it, and he went after it. He embraced the truth. And seeing quickly embracing and quickly understanding the truth when it's there, it can shift our lives. Now, of course, we need to be quick to embrace Christ and all that he has for us, but we also need to quick to embrace the other truths that God is bringing into our life because we can so easily lose distraction and get away from it and it begins to just make make havoc in our lives it was years ago Brooklyn my 13 year old daughter was five at the time and we were working on a house over on Jefferson Street we were in the process of remodeling anybody's done some remodeling understands remodeling means tension and so it just, for some reason, it comes. You've got, have two people, uh, intelligent individuals, which means they're going to have opinions, and you're trying to merge these, these, these visions. And so Cutie and I had been doing the whole Lowe's thing and shopping thing and, you know, making decisions, picking paint colors, all that kind of stuff. And for some reason or another, we kind of got crossways with each other. And we started arguing and bickering, and it just, it just escalated, and it just stayed all day. There was just this tension in between us. And we'd had the kids with us, so they're kind of watching this. And finally, it comes dinner time, and, and we sit down, and uh, it's, we're still arguing at the dinner table. And Brooklyn, finally, just in her wisdom, she just, her little five-year-old wisdom, she'd had enough of it. And Brooklyn looks at us and says, well, why don't we just take time to say what we're thankful for? I tell you what, you get your chain yanked by a little five-year-old blonde girl. And so, and we weren't about to tell her no, so we had our little attitudes all wound up, and we began to try to think of something we were thankful for. And I tell you, it wasn't long, and all of a sudden that tension and all of that mess began to fall off when we really began to embrace the truth that was there all, all along. All this stuff we were focusing on, all of this mess, all of this drama we were bringing in and making the sin, it didn't have to be. There was so much more good in our lives. We didn't need to focus on that mess. And it took my little five-year-old daughter to just whoop, yank her cord and say, why don't we think about this? We've got to be quick to embrace the truth. Andrew was quick to stay focused and embraced on the truth. When we look at Mark chapter 1, Verses 16 through 18. As Jesus was walking along the Sea of Galilee, and he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. And at once they left their nets and followed him. Now if we had just had Mark's gospel, we didn't have John's gospel, we would like, wow, this guy just, Jesus said, come follow me, and he just went, okay, whatever. No, Andrew already had had an encounter. He had already spent the day at Jesus' house. He had already spent the day in understanding and seeing who Jesus was. And so as soon as Jesus said, it's now time to go to the next level. We've spent some time together, but now I want you to get serious about following me and being with me. And as soon as he, God brought that invitation, boom, dropped it. I'm done. I was fishing. I was being diligent here. That was my job. But now I'm coming over here. And I'm going to follow you with that same kind of passion. I'm going to go after you. He was quick every time. Boom, boom. We have to have that kind of heart for God. 
That's what keeps us from being stagnant. You know, we talk about continually moving forward here. That's what we're about. And if we'll have a, try to cultivate a heart that's quick to embrace the truth in our lives, then we will keep moving forward. When we say, no, nah, it's enough. I'm done. I'm pretty happy here. I'm a pretty good Christian. I'm, I'm better than that Brandon Moore guy. And so I'm, I'm all right. And uh, so, uh, you know, as long as he don't grow any, any more, then I can stay ahead of that guy and I'll be all right. And, uh, you know, and so we <clears throat> will get stagnant. We have to be quick always, always to embrace the truth. John sixteen thirteen says, But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but he will speak only what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. That's what God gave us the Holy Spirit for. He, is, he lives within us and abides. He empowers us. He speaks to us. He makes the truths of God's word alive to us. He speaks to us and carries us forward into all truth. That's why we have to say, Holy Spirit, speak to me. Show me. That's why the Holy Spirit is so vital to our lives in Christ. Then we also see that Andrew learned that little things in the hands of Jesus matter in a big way. See, there's no insignificant act of service to God. There's no insignificant act of service to God at all. Now, here in John chapter 6, verses 8 through 10, then we're going to jump into verse 13. This is where we hear the feeding of the 5,000. And Andrew got to play a role in that. And Jesus had told them to, you know, you're going, you're going to, you need to give them some bread. And they're freaking out. You know, eight months' wages isn't enough to give everybody just a nibble. And so, and then here, everybody's grousing about it. And then here comes verse 8. And another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? Andrew's about to find out. And Jesus said, have the people sit down. He, he got presented it. And Jesus said, all right, we're about, to, we're about to have some lunch. We're about to feed everybody here. Because Jesus knew what he could do with just a little bit. And Andrew at least understood that even just a little bit, well, we'll take what we've got and we'll give it to Jesus. I don't know what he's going to be able to do with this. But here you go, Jesus. We've got this. We've got this little boy with a... Andrew was the introducer. He, he, he bridged that gap. He found the little boy with the lunch. And he connected him with Jesus, and he quickly found out what God can do with just a little bit. And so they gathered them, and he said, have the people sat down, and there was plenty of grass in that place. And the men sat down, about 5,000 of them, verse 13. And so they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with pieces of the barley loaves left over of those who had eaten. Now when it was all said and done, everybody was satisfied. And there was way more food left at the end than what was started with. That's God's kind of math. It doesn't fit in our little brains. God's math is different than our math. That's why we have to walk in a place of faith and obedience. Because when God says, move forward and I want you to do this, this little boy was being ready to not eat. And who knows, maybe he walked home with one of those baskets. Carrying that sucker home to mama. Here's my leftovers from lunch, Mom. I mean, that's just incredible. And Andrew got to see what God would do with just a little bit 
entrusted into his hands. Luke chapter 17, verse 5 says, The apostle said to the Lord, Increase our faith. And he replied, If you you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, Be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it will obey you. Start with what you've got. God, I don't have enough faith. I don't have enough. I need to get this. I need to build it up, build it up, build it up. And then I'll do something for God. No, go. You've got some faith. Go. Do it. Start. See if I don't make up the difference. Man, I'm telling you, God just wants to use us in such big ways. It's hard for us to wrap our minds around it. Luke chapter 16, verse 10 says, Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trusted in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with, with true riches? You know, too many people say, well, I just don't have much. Well, guess what? Awesome! You're at the starting gate. That's where everybody starts, is with a little. That's exciting. You're at the gate. Be faithful with that. Use it. Obey God. Do something. Well, I've only got a little bit of talent. Awesome! You've got a little bit of talent. That is so cool. I only have a little bit of talent. And I have to get up and go, oh my gosh, God, you have to pastor a church through this. You're big. And God wants to use. He wants to use us in such big, big ways. And when we're faithful, even with the very little, then God brings more along to where finally we, God wants to tell us this, all of us, Luke nineteen seventeen. Well done, my good servant, his master replied, because you have been trustworthy in a very small manner. Take charge of ten cities. Take charge of this much bigger responsibility. You've been faithful here. That's God, we're at, if you got a little, then you're at the starting gate. Get going. And then the last thing we see is that Andrew was always connecting someone to Jesus. He was always hooking somebody up with Jesus. And the first person he hooked up was his brother Peter. We look there in John chapter 1, verse 40 through 42. And Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who had heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. And the first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, We have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Well, who else says he's the Messiah? Me. Well, yeah, John mentioned about him being the Lamb of God. But I, I, I think I found the Messiah. He, he didn't walk in with this big entourage of, oh, yeah, all, 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 all of these people. We all collectively say he's Messiah. He had had an experience with God, and he just went with it and introduced his, <laughs> his brother Peter. That was his heart. He did not want to keep a good thing secret. Now, we're about to watch a little video here. Now, this is not an instructional video on how to invite somebody to church. What it is, is we'll explain it at the end. Just watch. Hi! It's your neighbors, Jim and Joanna Sanders. Yeah, we made you some Easter eggs. We sure did. Yeah! Hey, since you're the man of the house, I want to come talk to you mono e mano. 
We support missions to make sure we are part of it happening globally. But we're right here in San Angelo, and that's our responsibility. And we've got to make sure that here, that all the creation happens right here in San Angelo. So there are people all around us who are needing to be introduced to a Savior. And we need to decide to notice and care enough to introduce them to the good thing that we have found. I know I, I, my life would be totally different without Christ. I just don't even like to think about what my life would be like without Jesus. And I just, I don't see how people get through life without God. And uh, it is just so vital. And what we want to do right here is we're winding up. I just want to uh, provide a moment that if somebody's here and they haven't taken that first step, they haven't made that decision to embrace Embrace the Savior, embrace the freedom, embrace the salvation that is so available. It is right here. It's already been paid for. Then we want to make an opportunity for that. And I'd appreciate it if everybody just kind of bow your heads and close your eyes. We're going to create a, a quiet, private moment right here. And if you are, uh, uh, if that's you, if you'd like to receive Christ this morning, if you'd like to say, Pastor Brandon, I, I know I need a Savior. And I recognize that God sent Jesus to take care of mine and to make me his child. If that's you, then I need you to just slip your hand up. And we're just going to pray with you. Awesome. Well, we're going to pray. And I'd appreciate if everybody would just have your voices ring out with those who rose their hands. Nobody stands alone at Celebration Church. Just repeat after me. Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for the love. 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 I thank you for the love.